And I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try not to rap on this podcast, but I will probably rap in post and put it in. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Disc Dump Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Miles Trout, and this is the show where we watch movies, play games, or listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep the disc or are we going to dump it? Today, I am once again joined by Scott from the Spy Hards Podcast. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Miles? I am wonderful. So excited to be talking about what we're talking about today. And uh, that would be Linkin Park's album Hybrid Theory. You said that you were 14 when this came out? That's right. 2001. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I have written down that it's 2000, but it's probably in that, that ballpark. So, yeah. Um, I would have been nine. Did you, like, were you, like, an angsty teenager? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my hair was uh, dyed black. I had, you know... I was a goth player for most of my teenage years, to be fair. Um, so this isn't actually exactly goth music. But um, yeah, I used to dye my hair black, spike it up, dyed it red, I dyed it blonde. I, I was basically Chester. That's fantastic. I'm so happy to hear that. I had a pink mohawk at one point, but that was extremely short-lived because my school was like, uh-uh, that's not happening. So they shaved it off, those a-holes. And, uh, yeah, after that, I had a blue afro. They couldn't say anything about that once I let my hair grow out. So that was a thing, but that didn't ha- last very long either. <laughs> so we, we were kind of like the first sort of goth slash grungers in my school. So the teachers didn't know what to do with us particularly. So we would turn up in our baggy jeans and our chains and our dyed hair. And they were like, uh, I guess that's okay because they're not bullying anyone. So whatever. Did you have like Jinko jeans or parachute pants? I'm I'm going to extrapolate that into British colloquialisms and assume you mean like big jeans, like wide jeans. Yeah, the big like wide, they look like shorts, but they're so long that they come down to like your shins. Oh, so like three quarter length ones, but longer. But longer and big fat legs, like you could fit three people in them. It, that wasn't really the style here. I mean, it's quite cold in England, so we tend not to get our legs out that often. Uh, look at look at look at any like uh, Jane Austen novel. We're, we're not very good at showing our legs. <laughs> oh, I love how British you are, man. It's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've been it all my life. What can I say? Yeah. Every now and then you write smashing when you send me a message, and I always get so excited. I tell my girlfriend, I'm like, look, he wrote smashing. <laughs> <laughs> someone said I um someone said I sound like Nigel Thornbury the other day. I wasn't sure how to take that. Well, I mean, Tim Curry's pretty great, so I would take it as a compliment. Mm. <laughs> true, it's true. Um, okay, so we have listened to this album collectively maybe 25 times, 20 of which were you. So, um, mm, yeah. I feel like we should just jump into each one of the songs here. So the song Paper Cut, I think, is one of the best songs ever written. How do you feel about that song? Uh, well, hang on now. 
best songs ever written by Linkin Park or best songs ever written? I feel like ever in general in the history of human beings, Paper Cut is one of the best songs ever made. I'm going to lay out my opinion on Linkin Park then quickly. Okay. I I I love Linkin Park, and if we're talking about new metal as the you know, air brackets category, new metal, they're probably the best uh, artists I could think of. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to put them over Prince or Bob Dylan or the Beatles. Don't don't get me wrong, listeners. I I am not that guy. I <laughs> I am British after all. I have to love the Beatles above all else. <laughs> I personally am not a huge Beatles guy, so. Shows you I have no taste or culture. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I'll see you next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fact that I just said one of Linkin Park's songs is one of the best songs ever written. Not the number one, but in the top 100 for sure. But I mean, Paper Cut is a, is a terrific track. One thing I actually did in my 20 listens, as you pointed out, is I actually ranked the songs. Oh, really? Okay. Where do you put Paper yeah. Cut? Number four. Number four. Okay. Mm. On the, on the album, there's 12 tracks, basically. So, yeah, four. Yeah, I uh, I feel like it's a great way to introduce the album and how to introduce Linkin Park. Like, they show off all of their skills in this song, and it's the first thing you hear is, like, you get a real taste of what this band is all about. I feel like this is, like, quintessential. This is who Linkin Park is, not just the radio hits. Like, this is, they have crazy vocals and harmonization. The, they have the rap in there. They're like, hey, this is a thing. And uh, the drums are pretty kicking. And, of course, Mike's production skills are fantastic, too. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I really like the harmonization at the end, especially. But it's oh, so good. It, it's um, Paper Cut's a weird one because I, I was introduced to Linkin Park. I, I don't know if it's the same story for you because uh, we probably have different TV channels. But we have a a music channel called Kerrang! over here. And they play music videos all day long, basically, much like MTV used to do. Yeah. Um, and Papercut was the first one I ever saw of Linkin Park. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Because um, I think Papercut and um, probably One Step Closer were the two big hits at the time. They hadn't released in the end at the point I sort of cottoned onto this album. So Papercut I saw quite a lot of. And, you know, he's upside down at one point. Oh, no, that's uh, One Step Closer. My bad. Um, but yeah, you, you're right there. They've got the scratching, they've got the sample work from Mr. Hahn. It's it's a, it's a solid track, and that's why it's definitely in my sort of top third of the album. Interesting, because I don't think Papercut ever hit the radio in the United States. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a music video for it. It's one of those ones that kind of slid under the radar over here, if I'm not mistaken. So it's kind of interesting no. that you guys, well, it blew up over there. Well, I, I, I don't know. The information I've got is US-based in terms of facts that I've got. But of the four singles that were released, Paper Cut was one of them. Oh, okay. So maybe I'm full of shit. Who knows? <laughs> Check out the video, though. It's quite cool. Right on. Is, do they have, like, a bunch of Gundams and stuff like that, like they do in their later music videos? No, it's like they're, kind of, they're in someone's, like, house, and they're just kind of performing to the screen mostly. But there's like cuts of like weird people in bathtubs and stuff. It's clearly one of their first videos they filmed. Yeah. Um, and they're not they're not quite sure what they're doing. But the song's great, so you just kind of go, yeah, all right. Right on. Oh, and Chester Chester's wearing like this. Um, he's wearing like corduroy trousers. <laughs> I love it. And he's check, checkered corduroy, and you think oh, that's a choice. All yeah. right. <laughs> What's his hair look like? His hair went through so many evolutions, even just in this first album. 
I think he's on the blonde spikes at this point, which he also has in One Step Closer. Yes. Okay. Right on. Um, so speaking of which, I guess that transitions us into One Step Closer. I feel like the lyrics are probably one of the best parts of this song. Yeah, the... Oh, the breakdown. So I learned how to play guitar a long time ago, and I'm not very good at it. But this song was within five years of being made since when I was learning how to play guitar. So it wasn't a new song, but it was definitely not like an oldie. And my guitar teacher listened to it because I asked him to teach me how to play it. And he goes, this is a genre that I like to call I hate my dad music. (laughs) i think i think that's uh you can really hear that in the breakdown of just the ultimate rage that he feels how do you feel about one step closer it's funny you mentioned guitar and i i forgot to mention this in paper cut but one of the first little diddles i learned on guitar because i was learning around this time too because i was joined a band and all that sort of nonsense every you know angsty teenager does um i learned the intro to paper cut that sort of thing um so yeah that was one of the first little licks i learned as well funnily enough but uh to answer your question one step closer i like the guitar part the uh sort of syncopated that's a hard one to play um the guitar is probably the bit i like the most in that song yeah it's like one of my main gripes as Linkin Park gets older, which we'll get into like the history of Linkin Park and stuff later, but their guitarist really phones it in the later, but this is definitely mm. one of the best rips, riffs that he ever wrote was One Step Closer. I think One Step Closer started off as a song for their original band, the Zero, I believe it was. I don't know anything about an original band. What was their original band? Their original, originally there was four of them which was mike rob brad and dave with another guy and they were in a band called zero spelt with an x because they're edgy yeah (laughs) Uh, and that was all before chester joined and they wrote a bunch of songs and they did most of those songs on hybrid theory sort of chopped and changed a lot of them but that i think one step closer was mostly from their original uh ep i see huh and did they like go on tour and shit with this other band or was it just like a small time thing until they blew up with Linkin Park? It was a small time sort of California based band. They struggled to get sort of any recognition. And because of that, uh, Dave Farrell, the bassist left the band temporarily and their original vocalist left. And that's how they found Chester. And then they sort of got signed to Warner brothers and then Dave Farrell came back and then they, they record, but they were actually called hybrid theory for a year. Okay. Before they became Lincoln Park. Gotcha. Huh. Yeah, you see, you've done a lot more research than I have into this. I just listened to this over and over and was like, yeah, my childhood, right on. <laughs> oh, man, I, I could, I've could. i got so many like outside connections with this album that I'm sure we'll get onto as well. But uh, And as for my rating or my listing, I actually put One Step Closer as number six. So middle of the road. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like I like Paper Cut more than One Step Closer, but the transition between them is like flawless, just beautiful. So now here's the next song is called With You. And I feel like this is the first time that Mike Shinoda grabs the mic and like steps in front. It's like, this is a song for, for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? See, when I think about With You, I just think about Chester's belter in the chorus. Really? Yeah, that's. I mean, that one's. That's what stands out to me. But it's it's one of my favorite songs on this album, actually. I feel like there's a lot of balance on this song specifically. I feel like Mike steps into the front, 
And then, of course, Chester does the choruses and all that. But I don't know. It's listening to this one. I feel like this is a production anomaly. And it's wild to think that this whole album was recorded in Mike Shinoda's bedroom. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you can you can tell they um, did a lot of like individual recording sessions instead of doing it as a group. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of sample work um, because it does feel kind of put together in a production sense. But it's still, it's still a great song. I mean, that's why it's my number three. And it's one of the ones I would automatically go back to listen to. Hell yeah. I mean, I I should have thought to rank each one of the songs because this is... I feel like the album kind of tapers a little bit towards the end. There's like one or two that are, are not my favorite songs in the world, but like the beginning of this album is like a thundercrack, man. Like, oh, it's so good. I, if you look at my ratings, it's definitely like the later tracks are also the later of my own ratings. So yeah, it, I agree with you. So what what about this song puts it in the number three spot for you? I think it's just Chester's chorus. Um, and it's got some really good sort of scratch work on it. I quite enjoy that element in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was quite into my sort of uh, electronica around the time and a bit of rap as well. So it's just one of those songs that just felt... And also it wasn't a single. Right. So it wasn't overplayed on the radio. It was just, it was an album track that you had to have the album to know about. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like that plays a difference in how much 20 years later, looking back on this, we're like, okay, yeah, I can. This is a better song than the ones that they released on the radio for some of them. So I agree. Mm-hmm. This one's this one's pretty solid, and I'm envious of Mike Shinoda's production skills. Even like, especially for the year 2000 or 2001, like it's so wild to me that he's able to produce this stuff from bedroom. Next song is one of my favorites on this album. Is uh, points of authority? How do you feel about that one? Uh, it's rated as number five, so it sort of falls into the middle. I don't, I don't mind the song, and it this song evokes a very particular memory. I'm going to reference a, a video game that's not on your your list, but it is from the same time. What's that? Are you a fan of the Resident Evil series? Oh yeah, yeah, I love Resident Evil back in the day. So the year this came out around the same time, Resident Evil Code Veronica X came out on the PS2. And I basically played this album along with playing that game. Hmm. And for some reason, whenever I hear Points of Authority, I just think about the game. Okay, I don't think I've ever played that one. Literally triggers gameplay in my head. It is definitely a video game song for sure, for sure. Because it's all about like forfeit the game. And you, I love the rap parts of this song. I will probably put in me rapping to this song right now. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I love the the rap. That was the th- best I've ever heard. Mike should stand down. I think it, I think Miles needs to stand up. That's right. It's I, I'm the greatest rapper of our generation. Step aside, Mike Shinoda and Eminem. Anyway, <laughs> uh, well, I, I do have one one question for you about um, points of authority. A, l- a little asterisk next to ask you: um, Are you a fan of reanimation? Uh, I'm gonna need more information. Not, not the concept, sorry, not the concept. The <laughs> the remix album of Hybrid Theory. Uh, I never had it, so I can't really speak to that. Wow. Okay. So I I love that album as well. Not as much as Hybrid Theory itself, but Reanimation is a solid album, and I recommend you go listen to it after this. Um, and Points of Authority is easily one of my one or two on that album, and the remix itself makes it so much better. Is that like the 20 year anniversary one? No, no, no. It literally came out the next year. I think it was actually 2002. 
Um, it's basically just Mike and um, Joe Hahn doing remixes on all the songs with some extra vocalists on all the tracks. Okay. Um, and a lot more ra- there's a lot more rapping on it as well uh, but yeah i remember listening to points of authority the remix actually releases a it has its own single from the reanimation album yeah i i didn't know that they like remade the album again after that or well they put some of the same songs on it at least but it's the whole thing it's the whole the whole album re- remixed basically gotcha yeah i had the original one i remember i got this album because my dad used to get those like i don't know if you guys have them over there they would send out cd club flyers where you could like sign up to get a cd every month or whatever and this was on one of those flyers and that's how we got it like early early on when it first came out what a bizarre choice in terms of marketing right to be like hey join this cd club you can listen to lincoln park most like 40 year old people who was tying up to that yeah. like where's sammy davis jr yeah <laughs> where's huey lewis in the news like what what is this <laughs> my dad was always a metalhead back in the day so he was like this is gonna redefine music when he first listened to it like he was enthusiastic about it and then he bought me a walkman and slapped it in there and was like take this and enjoy being alive and i sure did <laughs> i mean hats off to your dad my parents hated all of my music I I was constantly battling that one. Every time I see my dad to this day, he hands me stacks of CDs and I'm just like, this is antiquated technology at this point, but thank you, father. Like, I don't know how else to tell him, but <laughs> I will I will crank up the old CD player and have a listen. Yep. I mean, I still have my Walkman that he gave me all those years ago, hooked up to uh speakers and stuff. So I do still have the ability to listen to it, but it's times have changed. Do you remember the old uh, issue with getting the CD player into your pocket? Yes, it like you had to have either a pocket that was designed to hold a CD player, which is usually in like your backpack, or you needed a coat with a big enough pocket to slide it in, or else you're just trying to jam that bitch in there. <laughs> I it literally, I haven't seen a CD player in a long time, but I often think about like coats and would this fit a CD player in the pocket? Right. <laughs> Even though I, I still use my iPhone, but like you know you just still think about it it's weird (laughs) some of them even had like the little hole in it so you could stick the headphones through it so you could like you could listen to it while it was in your pocket oh man i forgot all about that shit nostalgia it's a hell of a drug (laughs) indeed um so yeah what was that that song was points of authority oh the only other thing i've written about that is like I just got a promotion at my job. What, what? Anyway, um, so I just got a promotion. Thank you. Thank you. I, I hate it. It's awful. Um, <laughs> uh, so like the lyrics of it, I'm listening to them. I'm in a point of authority and I'm like, you know, somebody I work with probably hears this song and thinks about me. You like to think you're never wrong. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. I do like to think I'm never wrong. <laughs> You you can sing and rap. You're a double threat. I mean, not, as long, if you could dance, you'd be a triple threat, mate. Oh, I definitely can't do that. So okay, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's uh, not my skill set as music, but I do enjoy a good song. Uh, speaking of which, let's move into probably one of the most popular songs on this album, which is "Crawling." It's okay. It's pretty good. We finally get an appearance from the bass. Like, everything up to this point, the bass just kind of shadowed the guitars. But this one, the bass really kind of comes through a little bit for the first time. And, uh, yeah, what I find best about this song is all of the, like, remakes they did featuring other artists. What do you think about this song? It's my number one. Really? 
Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I have to think. It. I mean, not only for me is it a, a great song. I mean, it's not the best song ever, of course. I'm not saying that. But on this album, I think it's it's the best one. And I I think I just relate it to being a teenager and being teenage Scott and watching that video and just like being angry. <laughs> And just screaming at the screen as Chester's screaming back at me and just thinking, yeah, he sees me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's extremely dramatic. I'll give you that. This is a very dramatic song. It feels like, I, I don't know uh, the, the sort of timeline in which they wrote them. I haven't dug that deep into it. Um, but it feels like crawling is an evolution into in the end and in the end evolved into numb on the meteor album right i'll give you that i can that sort of see right. that through line that sort of this is a more of a melodic song compared to the sort of heavy rock we've had so far yeah i mean it, it's definitely a chester showcase it's very dramatic and there is definitely like a, a couple of these songs you can see a through line as to how it like evolved into other songs and this is definitely one of them um did you ever hear any of the remakes they did with other people uh, only the one on the reanimation album that came out afterwards, which I think has, uh, I think it's Aaron Lewis from Stained. Yeah. yeah, that's the Aaron Lewis one. I didn't know it came out yeah. on an album. I thought it came out on a live album, but I guess not. Yeah. Uh, Another Aaron... reason to check out reanimation. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, I will probably do that right when we close this because I have not gotten my fill of Linkin Park just yet, but. Yeah, I heard this done with Aaron Lewis, and I heard like a really mellow version of it once, which is completely not what this song is. Like hearing him sing "Crawling" instead of "Scream It" is is very strange. I've heard them play it live, but I think they did the album version, so I don't know any other version, unfortunately. Well, I am going to have to ask you a lot of questions about live performances that you've seen uh, potentially of Linkin Park. But first, I think we need to take a little brief break. So we will be right back. Today's episode is presented by Clark's. Clark's story began almost 200 years ago when Cyrus and James Clark made a slipper from sheepskin. At the time, it was groundbreaking, a combination of invention and craftsmanship that has remained at the heart of what Clark's does. From the very beginning, Clark's always thought differently. Brilliant ideas are what set Clark's apart. We are teaming up with Clark's and Podgo to bring you up to 30% off on selected items, including on the iconic Clark's Desert Boot, by going to podgo.co slash Clark's. That's podgo.co slash Clark's. Hey there. Do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. Everything you say to me brings me one step closer to the edge. 
and I'm about to break. Of course, we're taking a little break right now. So uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. It was super fun to record with Scott from Spy Hard's podcast. Make sure you check out their show where they talk all things espionage. Uh, it's a really good show. I've been on uh, an episode. I might be on another one coming up. I'm not sure. Uh, so yeah, there. I'm on at least one episode where we talk about the movie Central Intelligence, which stars The Rock and Kevin Hart. It's a fun episode. I really enjoyed recording it. Make sure you check them out, Spy Hards. Thank you, Scott, for doing this episode with me. I just want to let you guys know how to get a hold of me. If you want to email me, you can email me discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P pod at gmail.com don't forget that little pp in there it's important on twitter i'm at the disc dump instagram disc dump podcast again don't neglect the pp please rate review and subscribe i know everyone always says that but it's kind of easy to not think about i would really appreciate it if you did it would help my numbers a lot not that i really gain a whole lot but the more numbers i have the more my advertisers are willing to pay me so hopefully someday i may remotely be able to break even that's my goal at this point because i do this for the fun not for the money and certainly not it's not something you get rich doing so if you guys could rate review and subscribe i would really appreciate it just so that i can stop losing money to bring you this program (laughs) i also want to say thank you to mr zach cloyd again for producing this episode i really appreciate you bro thank you so much I want to give a big special thank you to Josh from the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. He's a cool dude. I enjoy talking to him a lot. And uh, he's very, very helpful when it comes to navigating the difficult terrain of social media. So thank you, Josh, for being a really cool dude, man. Let's get back to talking about Linkin Park. Um, so you've seen Lincoln Park live? I certainly have. 2004. Oh, wow. In the prime. Wem- Wembley Arena. They were on their Meteora tour. They just released it. Um, it was a stadium. Uh, 2004. I would have been 17. Uh, it was in April. I would have been 16. Um, and 16 year old Scott and then, you know, 10,000 other teenage boys and girls just screaming off the, you know, yeah. the lyrics to this album. It, it was quite a euphoric experience. It's one of my favorite concerts of all time. They did pull out the old line that I, I hate when musicians do this at concerts. And like, thank you, London. You've been the best ones ever. And we're like, yeah, you said it to everyone, you bastards. Yeah. <laughs> there have only been a couple bands I've seen that didn't do that. And they're like, this was pretty good. <laughs> so it must you have been kind real. of okay. Yeah. You guys are great fans. Thanks for listening. We wish we had more fun. Bye. <laughs> you can just hear them counting the money at the side. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I've never seen them live personally. I used to have the live in Texas DVD CD combo, which was basically just right. the the first and second album. So I was, oh man, I regret to this day that I never got to see them live because it would have been fucking awesome. I, I received the tickets as a birthday present for my 15th birthday and I went with my band. Um, so we were all kind of, it was, it was a good time for me. It was, it was a good time for Scott. Right on. I mean, that's pretty cool though. Like, uh, do you want to tell me a little bit about your band, or is it just like a not story? I mean, it was my teenage band. I haven't I haven't been playing in a band for ten years, so no, it's not really worth the story. It's just yeah, I think you were a musician as well. You probably were in a band at some point. This is that sort of thing. 
Yeah, I was in a band where I had to teach everybody how to play their instruments, and I was like, okay, this isn't working for me. <laughs> so, The band I was in, no one wanted to sing, so we never really performed much and just had guest singers. Yeah. Because two of us could sing, but didn't want to sing. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah, we had the same problem. We brought in a guy to sing, and he was so tone deaf. <laughs> I just I couldn't do it. But we did want to be Linkin Park, though. A lot of our sort of riffs we came up with were basically just like key changed versions of Linkin Park songs. Pretty much that was what was going on with us, too. We did, we had to, of course, we had to play all the small things. But other than that, I think we played, we might have played three songs total before I was like, I quit. We did, we did a lot of Metallica covers. That was our thing as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's a little bit more challenging than Linkin Park. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much just power chords every time. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of power chords, the next song is called Runaway, and this one is the one I think is basically just filler for this album, Power Chords. What do you think of Runaway? My my ranking should give you my opinion on it, and it's number 11 of 12. Yep, that's that's about it. <laughs> but it, it has a really boring bridge, and the chorus is a bit meh right yeah it's not really memorable like you just think this is one of those ones that you just have to get through to get to like in the end and maybe buy myself if you're a fan of that one i don't know but yeah runaways is sort of there yeah it's it's definitely not my favorite song at all but like you were saying with three lines you can kind of see how one step closer evolved into runaway because they're kind of the same formula to some degree but overall not a great song one thing runaway doesn't have much of is sort of the techno sample stuff Right. It seems more just like a rock track. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could see Mr. Han being a bit bored with that one if they ever played it live. So I am not the most versed in Linkin Park. I know that Mike Shinoda produced some of it. Did Mr. Han produce more of it, you think? They had they had a producer for this album anyway. Oh, okay. Where Don Gilmore. And he did a lot of stuff with um, Lit, Good Charlotte, Avril Lavigne. Sort of one of those new metal guys around the time. Mike did a lot of the... Mike and Chester were both kind of the band leaders at the same time, and they would help perform songs. But most of the scratching and, and sampling work was done by uh, Joe Hahn. Okay, gotcha. See, I always thought it was Mike Shinoda, but that makes sense. Because, you know, that uh, that song that comes up later, the Mr. Hahn song, is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what was the last one we just listened to? Run Away. Uh, followed by By Myself. I feel like this Myself. Yes, I feel like this one's a journal entry. Like there's so much emotion in this song. What do you think of this one? I can't hold on. What does that mean? It was the first line of the verse. I was going to see if you could do the second one, but don't worry. Nope, I I failed on that. <laughs> no. Don't worry. Um I, I again, it's one of those middling tracks for me. It, it it's number 9 on my list. It's slightly more memorable than Runaway. Mhm. Not one I stick on if I'm listening to the whole album, unless I have to listen to the whole album. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, these two definitely are probably the least good ones. But, man, if you had sang, I can't hold on, I would have been right there. But you just said, I can't hold on. And I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand what you were doing. <laughs> oh, I, I probably could have sung it, but I just would blow out the microphone, so I'm not going to do that. It's a good call. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Next up is the hidden gem of this album, in my opinion. Probably one of the best songs on the album, if not my favorite. But I feel like you're going to feel differently about it. It's a place for my head. Is that number nine for you? Um, Number eight, sorry. I believe so. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I skipped in the end, of course. How could I skip that? 
How could you skip? I don't know. I'm a son of a bitch. This is this is also one of the best songs yeah, ever. Son of a gun. <laughs> yeah. I, I, what did you think of in the end? Um, I think it's one of the best songs ever written, but I have a feeling you're gonna disagree with that. No, sir. Number two. Number two. Nice. Yeah, this is a good one. Like it's they end every show with it, and it's always so sad now that Chester's passed away. Mm-hmm. It's um. As I say, when I when I first caught on to Lincoln Park, and now I was watching the videos on on Kerrang on the TV station, uh, they hadn't released in the end as an album. Oh, sorry, they hadn't released in the end as a single at that point. Mm-hmm. So there was no video. I remember like they did little clips of like coming soon Lincoln Park in the end video. You see like a little bit of that sort of rock face they're doing it on, mm-hmm. and then I remember it just dropping and everyone just going mental for this song. And 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 you see people that weren't like rock fans in school talking about this song like the the trendy kids were like oh this song's pretty good yeah this is the one that sort of broke through i think it's definitely the one you hear the most from this album in general is in the end or at least i do like just in passing i hear this song pretty regularly yeah it's the one that got i would say probably the most radio play after crawling or maybe before crawling one they're they're probably in a mix together Mm mm-hmm but um, it, it's also very approachable because, again, it's a very melodic song. So people who are not fans of, like, new metal could listen to this song and be like, yeah, that's all right. I think it's all about that piano hook. Like, that brings everybody in on it. And it has sort of an epic feel to it, too. Have you seen the video for this one? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, you, that's just... And he's shouting off the edge of the precipice, and he's like, yeah. Yeah. Good shit. <laughs> so dramatic. Good shit. <laughs> I saw a video of Mike Shinoda watching that music video and he was just like, look at Jester's hair. Oh my God. <laughs> what was he doing in that one? I can't remember his hair now. Uh, he had the, the blonde spikes in that one. And classic, I think, classic. I think he actually put pink tips on the, the blonde spikes. Like it, there was like so much effort went into doing his hair for that music video. I never did tips on my hair. Did you ever do it? Uh, no, I just did like highlights that were poorly done. So it kind of looked like the tips, <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, that, as far as crazy hair, it was basically just the, uh, the pink mohawk for a couple days and the blue Afro for a couple days. I, I think one of the reasons why I'm now bald <laughs> is because of the amount of product I put in my hair in my teenage years to spike it up. <laughs> I believe it, man. Like I'm picturing you with the crown, you know, the three spikes on the tip of your head there. Mate, I'll send you a couple of photos you put out on Twitter if you want when you when you post this episode. I it was it was going all directions. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so answer me this question. This is a weird question, but when I picture you, I've never seen you, but when I picture you, I picture you with a goatee. Is that a thing? Uh, yeah. Nailed it. Well, no, it's a, it's a full beard. Oh, okay, that's different. But <laughs> goatee? Am I like an evil guy or something? Or is it because I'm a spy? Is that what it is? It's. Uh, it's probably a combination of the fact that I think you're a spy, but also that you could go evil just because you're British. British people make the best bad guys. And uh, uh, something about your... Typecasting. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> something about your voice says goatee to me. I don't know. I have a goatee too, so I have no room to talk. But <laughs> Since the hair fell off my head, I decided to grow a beard. So at least I have some warmth somewhere on my face. Yeah. <laughs> right on. I mean... It... Such is the trend right now. Everyone's got to be all manly and have beards. I'm over here with this rinky-dink little Johnny Depp goatee. So, 
If this is the definition of manly, then I guess I am, but uh, otherwise I am not. <laughs> I mean, I hear you. I'm definitely not. <laughs> um, so I mean, You've got two grown-ass adults talking about a 2001 new metal album on the podcast right now. We're, we're not men. <laughs> yeah, we're men <laughs> We're children. not chopping down trees today, ladies. Sorry. <laughs> we're both taken. It's all good. I have nothing to prove. <laughs> True that that um so that was in the end is there anything else you want to say about that i feel like there's so much to say but we kind of just like are like yeah it's the best it's the seminal track from this album if you were if you were going to introduce someone to hybrid theory and they didn't want to listen to the whole album i would probably either give them one step closer or in the end i would probably do one step closer but in the end is in there for sure i mean I love Paper Cut so much. Paper Cut might be my favorite song on this album, if not for the next song, which is A Place for My Head, which I enjoy a lot because it's different from any of the other songs on this album. You know what I mean? It's got a good sort of guitar track for it. It's not one that rates very high for me. Uh, it's my number seven. But um, it's, yeah, I, I, the more I think about it, maybe I've rated it too low. I might actually swap some of these around in my rankings afterwards. But uh, yeah, A Place for Head is definitely a banger. Yeah, I mean, like, some of the lines, I feel like it's really clever storytelling. Like, the sun doesn't give the light to the moon, assuming the moon is going to owe him one. Like, oh, that's such a good line. It makes me think of how you act with me. You do favors that rapidly just turn around and start asking me about things that you want back from me. You see, you said you can't rap, but I feel like that was slam poetry and it was wonderful. I see. I do it with like a, a British cadence to it. It's more like a. It's more eloquent coming from me. You see. Yes, everything is more eloquent coming from you. There'd, there'd be flutes playing as I as I do it, not guitars. <laughs> flutes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, yeah. The the song does not have flutes in it. <laughs> but now that would be a different Linkin Park track. Although to be fair, by the end they were doing some some strange stuff. This is also true. Like, oh, uh, anyway, we'll get into that then. <laughs> But uh, the, yeah, A Place for My Head not only has clever storytelling, but I feel like the guitar, this is probably the most difficult song to play on the album. So, you know, it could go either way. I don't think I've ever looked at um, trying to work it out, but I'll have a look now. Yeah, it's it's not chords as much. It's like a little bit of uh, a little bit of fretwork. So I feel like that's probably why I feel like it's the most difficult one to do. See, I, I don't really ever particularly rate uh, Mike or Brad's guitar work that, that high. Yeah. Uh, but then a lot of these new metal bands fall into that same category. You think of like Wes Borland. He's got some good riffs, but is he a good guitarist? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like they're the weakest members of this band. I don't know, bass player is pretty not great too. but You don't really hear him, do you? No, there's two songs on this album where you can hear the bass, and that is it could be better balanced in that way but if the bass player doesn't have much to offer it is probably better to hide him behind the guitars true true and then he would be forgotten which is the name of the next song <laughs> what do you think of that one the only note i've got for forgotten is hoo-ha hoo-ha <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> there's, there's a bit in the song i think they're transitioning out of like the second bridge yeah and i think, I think it's probably mike you just hear him go Hoo-ha! <laughs> I mean, I'm probably butchering it being a Brit, but yeah, it always stood out to me, like the hoo-ha song. The hoo-ha song. 
That's pretty great. Uh, the only thing I have ri- I, I wrote that I don't love this song. It would be very low in my rankings. And then I wrote the words about Star Wars question mark. I will say it has a like it opens with high energy. That's true. It's from the top to the bottom straight away, like guitar crunch, crash cymbal. Like you're straight in there. It's not. It's not. It doesn't really have a big sort of wide opening like in the end does. So you're coming away from that melodic song, place in my head forgotten. Both quite heavy songs. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's got that going for it. But it's my number ten, and it is number ten. Funnily enough. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. It's it's ranked pretty low for me. Might be the bottom one for me. What's the next one? Cure the itch, which is something this album did not do for me just yet. I might have to listen to some more Linkin Park today. But Cure the Itch, is that the Mr. Han song? That certainly is. Yeah, what do you have to say about that one? It certainly isn't a hoo-ha. <laughs> it's my number 12. I like this sort of music when it's done by people who do it full-time, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, on this album, it doesn't feel like it fits. It definitely brings all the hard rock to a screeching halt, for sure. Um, it could almost, in a way, serve as a coda for the album. It's like a last track. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of albums do have that sort of experimental one at the end. A lot of Tool albums do that. Right. But I don't know. As a kid, I would always skip it. It's the only one I would automatically skip. Same here. Like that was definitely one of the skippers. It it reminds me. Oh, this is gonna be sacrilege, but it reminds me of Limp Biscuit. Like, yeah. It's definitely got those Limp Biscuit vibes, which is like. To be fair, what was going on at the time, Limp Bizkit was huge, but all these bands with like rock and rap combined are obviously born from Rage Against the Machine. So like mm-hmm. this, I feel like this is the example of when a band goes the di- the correct direction with it, and Limp Bizkit's the one that goes the wrong direction with it. Well, even like pre Rage, you had um, Run DMC and Aerosmith. That's true. That's true. Doing doing the those two together. Um... Rock and rap going together is not is not a new thing. And Linkin Park, I say Limp Bizkit made it a bit more popular because they were more like 96, 97, 98. And then Linkin Park turned up. But yeah, this this track, it just, it doesn't feel like it's a Linkin Park song. It feels like it's a Mr. Han song. Yeah, and I guess it is solely him, isn't it? I think Mike does some stuff on it too with the sampling. And a lot of them, there's a, there's a piano track in the background, if you can focus on the song in your head you can hear it and i think that's done by chester if i remember correctly hmm. i mean yeah it, it wouldn't belong on the cd if it was just one of them i guess but yeah they gave him i was watching a documentary about the album today um for the 20th anniversary of the album which is uh was now yeah. uh, and they said they just wanted to give him his own tracks so he could do his own thing for a little bit i mean i guess that's fair that's fair he's marginalizing some of the songs so i can understand why they want to do it but as as we both said it does feel like the um the ugly stepchild of the album yeah but at the same time i feel like this song would end up on a playlist for a different genre like it's not the worst song ever made but it's definitely not it doesn't belong on this one um so here we are at the original end of this album i know they released another song that they tacked on at the end i did not have the album with that on it the last song for me was called pushing me away epic song epic song what do you think of it i I think it's another one of those ones that i've ranked it i've ranked it as eight um so it's quite low down but it is one of my favorite tracks on the album i just think there's better ones but it's a it's a great end to the album 
See, I feel like this is one of the perfect way to end it, but I feel like it's an amalgamation of everything they showcase in this album. Like, the drummer puts all this emphasis on the drama of it. Like, it wouldn't be nearly as dramatic if he didn't hit those crash cymbals at exactly the moment of emphasis and stuff. So I feel like the drummer is mostly responsible for how epic this feels. But at the same time, obviously, Chester and Mike are fucking killing it in this song. I feel like this song is one of the better ones, but you put it right towards the middle bottom huh yeah i just think i i hold things like um not even like if you take take the singles out um songs like with you um place for my head i think i just i would rather listen to them but i have to think like a lot of my opinions on these songs sometimes get swayed by the the reanimation remixes yeah because when i try and think about them i sometimes get the remix in my head understandable so I don't know whether that's bogged that one down or not. I mean, I can understand that. Like your your memories of these things get tainted as you as they evolve and stuff like that. So like I get that. But I, I think it's a it's if you look at like albums, uh, bands albums and their last tracks, a lot of the time it's an okay song, but not a great song. And I think that follows sort of suit. So I mean there are a lot of negative things I can say about it. I feel like I've covered all the positives, but like the guitarist and the bass players are not particularly overly talented, I would say, is probably the biggest hit that I can give this album. What about you? What's the most negative thing you probably could say about it? The most negative thing I think I could say about this album is I think they could do a bit better. And I think they had they had more in their wheelhouse, which they they do prove with Meteora mm-hmm. uh, when they, when they go on. I think their melodic work is a lot better. So things like in the end, crawling, that sort of thing, um, as they start to step away from the really heavy metal, which they have in this one. Oh, well, I, I suppose it's sacrilege to call it heavy metal, mm-hmm. uh, new metal. Yeah, I I don't really. I'm not going to lamp on the guitarist or the bassist. I think they do what's required for the songs. Right. I think like a, a really outstanding bass bassist, you know, walking up and down the fretboard would stand out in a song, a new metal song. Mm-hmm. You look at like Blink-182, stuff like that, although that's more punk, pop punk. Mm-hmm. Their bass lines aren't particularly engaging, um, right. but they still make solid tracks. And they know sometimes it's good. You think of like, um, I'm just talking about bass guitars now, but you think of Sting, for instance. Um, he's a terrific example of a bassist who steps back from his songs. He doesn't. He doesn't let it like take over. Even though he's the lead singer and the bassist, you think he'd want his like imprint all over the song. Or you just look at like Geddy Lee from uh, uh, Rush, and his his bass lines yeah. are like well, manic, and you always know it's him. Yeah, he's, he's crazy. crazy. Um, and I think mm-hmm. a bassist like that would bring this down. Yeah, you're not wrong. Like that, that would make a big difference if. Because they weren't like guitar solos and shit. They they gravitated away from like traditional heavy metal to like dive headfirst into this genre that basically doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. They had their own unique sound and they really put a mark on the music industry in their own way. But as their career went on, I super duper got disappointed with them. Like their first two albums were fucking awesome. Uh, Meteoria and Hybrid Theory. I was so into those. And then people like me are the reason that Chester killed himself. And that really upsets me and helped me grow as a person. 
A week before he died, he got into a fight with the lead singer of Slipknot. And the lead singer of Slipknot was like, dude, come on. Like, you should appreciate the fact that people are hung up on your first two albums. Like, it sucks that they aren't as into your new stuff. But you just need to appreciate that you have fans. And he's and Chester's just like, I just am so sick of people throwing these 20-year-old albums in my face. I'm trying to evolve and become something different. And it's it's ridiculous that people don't appreciate that. And then shortly after that, he killed himself like a week or two later. And yeah, so that seems to be one of his main struggles was that people like me were like, but their old stuff was better. You know what I mean? I... I, I too distanced myself. I actually ha- hang on. Uh, sorry, I actually held on for the third album, Minutes to Midnight. I think that was quite good. It had like what I've done stuff like that on it, mm-hmm. um, and that had some good tracks on it. And uh, Meteora was terrific. I think goes right up there with Hybrid Theory. But yeah, after that, it, for me, it was all. They started going more towards the experimental techno, drum and bass that sort of realm, and that's just not my music. By this, by that point, I was you know listening to different artists i'd grown up right uh but you know i i've never ever looked into what happened with chester um i was still reeling with what happened to chris cornell that played a big role in it too because they were like best friends apparently towards the end yeah and you know both massive losses to rock music even if they weren't particularly making rock music at the end they still Lincoln Park made a sound. You could say Limp Biscuit started off. You could maybe say other people helped, um, but I think Lincoln Park created and pushed to new heights, new metal, for sure. Uh, and they they basically you know they carried the torch for three albums, and that's that's a lot to carry. It's respectable for sure, because then you get brands like Seether and Three Days Grace and Breaking Benjamin that came out and just fucking kicked a hole in it and really took off into the pop culture. But I feel like Linkin Park was solely responsible for putting that genre into the limelight. Absolutely. And there's there's good reason that this album was, in at least in America alone, it was 12 times certified platinum. Uh, it was it only it only got to number two, unfortunately. I think it should have got higher. It did hit number one um, when Chester passed away. It won a Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance for Crawling. A Grammy. A rock band winning a Grammy is crazy for best performance in that sense. And it was also nominated for Best Album and Best New Artist. That's that's huge for a rock band in 2001. For sure. It's a shame that they went the direction that they did. It, they really lost me when they did the Transformers soundtrack. And I, I recently listened to uh, Mike Shinoda talking about that. And he's like, I understand that this is where everyone lost us. But what really sold us on it was that we all had the action figures when we were kids and loved them. And it was an opportunity we couldn't pass up. We didn't do it for the money like everyone thought we did. And that was another big thing that really upset all the members of the band was like, well, I guess this is who we are now. We're the sellouts. I will say um, The Hunting Party, which is their sixth album, uh, 2014, uh, was actually kind of a return to their rock sound. Uh, yeah, they it's it still got a lot of the techno elements that the later albums had, but it's kind of close to somewhere between Meteora and Minutes to Midnight. Hmm. Okay. So I, if for people listening, I'd say give that one a, a spin if you get a chance. It's it's definitely worth a listen. What was that one called again? I'm sorry. The uh, The Hunting Party. The Hunting Party. Lincoln Park. It's their second to last. Their last album was One More Light, which is the sort of it's actually kind of a pop record, really. Yeah, because I know Chester did like some 
relaxing EDM music towards the end. That's my main genre these days is like relaxing EDM music. And he pops up really frequently on it. And that's not my favorite thing, but he was trying to do something different. See, I've gone backwards in time. I'm like all about grunge now. Really? Weirdly. <laughs> Who's your favorite grunge artist? Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Okay, I get that. I'm not a huge... Seen them, seen them alive quite a few times. They're just, yeah, I could listen to all their albums anytime. Yeah, I, I say it's Pearl Jam. Okay, I, I can respect that. I'm not a huge Eddie Vedder fan, but, you know, this could be worse. He's pretty good. That, I could have said a lot worse choices, you're right. Yeah, for sure. So, the name of this show is The Disc Dump Podcast. So, you know the premise is that we're going through these CDs to determine if I want to keep them or dump them. What do you think? Hybrid theory. Keep it or dump it? I don't know why I paused. Uh, it's an easy keep. It's it's an easy keep. I mean, it's a, there's two sides you to it. You think so? There is the sense it's a relic of nostalgia to your youth. Um, which a lot of people like to hold on to. I've still got my CD copy of it um, mm -hmm. in my cupboard. The case is broken because I used it so much. And then the other side, it's actually just still a, a slap-banging album that you can put on and listen to. For sure, man. Like I feel like we're on the same page with that, especially with the nostalgia. It's, it's hard to argue with, like, okay, this was fundamental in the building of Miles. Are we going to get rid of it? And the answer is almost always a no if I feel that way about it. Yeah, so, I mean, could be a lot worse. So I'm into it. I think I'm going to keep it, and uh, that's the name of the game. Yeah, so, I mean, I agree with you that it's it's hard to argue with the fact that it's a good-ass album, and any CD that is, like, or any really piece of media that's fundamental to the building of Miles as a human is uh, hard to dump. So I think this one's a keeper. We're on the same page there. So, you, sir, are on the Spy Hards podcast. Tell me about it. Well, uh, we basically review spy movies every week, the best and, unfortunately, the worst, um, to try and find out if they make what we call the knock list, which is our need-to-see official classics of the spy genre. So, basically, the films, if someone said, hey, I want to watch a spy film, these are the ones we point to. Um, we do, you know, Bourne, Bond... Austin Powers, Harry Palmer, you name it, we've done it as long as it's a spy film. So every Tuesday, just look us up uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S. Awesome. I've been on an episode of your show, and it was so fun, so you guys should listen to that one. Uh, what was that? Not National Security. Um, Central Intelligence. Central Intelligence, that's right. So you can hear if I think that belongs on the knock list. Okay, so I'm going to go through my reads here, and you should think about something you want to recommend to the audience when I'm done. Sound good? As in, uh, recommend to do something, try something, what are you looking for? Whatever you want. Usually it's like a piece of media, but sometimes people are like, be nice. So, yeah, do, uh, think about what you want to tell the audience, and I'll go through this real quick. <clears throat> All right. I want to say thank you to the Jazz June for the use of the song Viva La Speed Metal off of the album The Medicine. It's some good rock music. Uh, actually, the same age as Linkin Park's uh, Hybrid Theory. So you should check out the Jazz June. They are a much smaller band, but they got me through probably an equal number of hard times. And uh, they are very, very good. You should find a way to support them. That's the Jazz June. 
I also want to say thank you to the Fat Rat for the use of the song Unity, which we use to bring us in and out of the ad spots and close every episode. You can find that bouncy EDM music on YouTube. That's his preferred method for you to listen to him. That's the Fat Rat. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget that little PP in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the Disc Dump. Instagram, Disc Dump Podcast. Again, don't neglect that PP. On Facebook, you can find the page or join the fan group, which is where all the memes get posted. So if you're a meme fanatic, go to the Disc Dump Podcast fans group on Facebook. Alrighty, Sky, what do you want to recommend to the audience? Well, I had a little think about it, and I'm going to stick with what I actually recommended earlier. And I'm going to recommend that everyone goes back, and if you like hybrid theory, go and listen to the Minutes to Midnight album, which is their third album, and the Hunting Party, which is their sixth album. So that's two Linkin Park albums you may just love. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. I mean, it's a it's a lovely dose of nostalgia to have uh, Linkin Park on in the gym with me. Yeah, awesome, man. Alrighty, audience. Until next week. Toodles. <laughs>